You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. Hey, that's not our music. Come on, Mark. Play our music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Liz Marley. Say hello, Liz. Hello, Liz. <laughs> Thank you. It's amazing how happy that makes me that everybody comes in and who comes in is willing to play along with like the oldest, dumbest joke in the world, and yet it feels good. Anyway, so Liz, you are an OmniGraphel engineer. Yep, I'm an OmniGraphel engineer. You definitely are. And you were a tester. Uh, the PM of Omni Bug Zapper, our internal tracking bug tracking tool. A tester again, Omni Focus PM, then a tester, and then an OmniGraphel engineer. So yeah, you've worn a few hats. I have done several different roles around here. Uh-huh. So you started here in 2005, and that was back in the era of I've heard it described as the scary stained carpets era. <laughs> And yeah, if something you, if, ridiculous with wall sconces. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, you can listen to Brian's interview if you want to get some of those details. Um, that first office, well, the first office that I saw of Omni's was charming. I think is how a real estate agent might put it. Uh-huh. It had character. Okay, tell me more about the sconces. Oh right, since there I had were, never visited the office, but right, there were wall sconces on both floors and. On one floor, they were horns, like antlers. Okay. And on the other floor, they were like French horns. Hmm. Two totally different types of horns. But clearly a matched set. Hmm. I have no explanation. I don't either. And Can I... we just pretend that Ken designed the whole thing? Sure. <laughs> that makes a good story. <laughs> That's the only I want to go with. I like that one. Uh, that's cool. So I'm going to jump right into a question from uh, a listener, uh, Brian Young on micro.blog. He asks, and I'll read the whole thing and then we'll break it down. He asks, this may be overly obvious, but I'm interested in hearing about all the transition from software testing to software engineer. What skills overlap or not? How did she expand her skills to make the switch? Does she miss testing or is it all the same plus writing application code? So let's talk about the overlapping part. Um, He's wondering what skills overlap or don't overlap between testing and engineering. Yeah, I was a tester for most of 10 years, and then I started doing engineering for the last two years. So I think I've got enough experience to speak to this question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that there's sort of a a continuous flow from the first moment when you say, hmm, there's something funny here, through finding a bug, digging into the details of exactly when it happens and when it doesn't happen, through changing the code to prevent the bug from happening and confirming that that change actually made the bug go away and didn't cause some other issue. That's like a continuous process. And some people are really good at 
the first half of that process, and some are really good at the second half. But I think we, whether you're a tester or an engineer, you need to spend a bunch of time in that middle phase of um, breaking it apart and really diagnosing the exact nature of the bug. Mm. I've, I've found in my own experience that often that is everything. And then at the end, I added a... The other day, I fixed a crashing bug by adding two characters. I put a thing inside square brackets, and then it didn't crash anymore. But it took me all this time to find. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you're saying that's about the same thing. Yeah. I, you know, at Omni, we don't draw a super hard line of exactly when testers have done enough diagnosing before it's written up as a bug Mm. and where the engineers jump in. It just depends on whether a tester found the bug first or maybe a customer found it or maybe I found it myself as an engineer. But that that middle diagnosis phase is really important. Um, I think another way that the skills overlap is that I spend a lot of time as a tester writing up bugs, explaining my thinking, explaining what I knew. Um, And as a developer, I still need to be able to explain my work clearly Mm, and commit messages. And since we're working on Apple's frameworks, filing radars. Uh Yeah, right. We're all Apple testers in a way, right? Yeah. Um, But so organization and communication skills are about the same thing, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's nuances, but I reuse that skill set a lot. So he also asks, um, how did you expand your skills uh, to make the switch over to engineering? So shortly before I moved to engineering, Apple turned every engineer's world upside down, perhaps by announcing Swift. And so that actually is part of what made me feel more like I could switch to being an engineer, is Mm. that all the other engineers around me we're suddenly learning a new language and maybe not completely starting over. There's a lot of skills that you carry from one language to the next, but sure. definitely asking each other a lot of questions, needing help, offering help. It felt like a good time to make the jump, but it turned out to actually be a lot more challenging than that because working at Omni, not only do I need to learn Swift... I'm also learning Objective-C and learning how to use those two languages together in the same project, in the same framework. So if you needed a new adventure, you picked up three new adventures. At least three. Right. Uh, How the two languages work together is maybe even the hardest one of all of them or the most frustrating sometimes. It's There's a reason I have that particular page in Apple's documentation bookmarked. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Smart. I should do that. Swift is interesting, though, because it does feel like a fresh start, like like we're all coming coming in on the same page at at once, which I found really refreshing. I mean, after years of pretty much working the same way all the time with incremental changes, this was like a really big change. And I've noticed other developers, I'm a little bit older than you, well, um, some other developers my age just they just don't want to do it at all. They just don't want to make the jump. I really like Swift. I find that it 
when I was a tester, I noticed that there were patterns among engineers' bugs. Certain engineers tended to make certain mistakes. And there's a whole clump of mistakes that would show up as crashes in Objective-C that are now getting caught by the compiler with nice. Swift. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's shifting some of the testing cycle so that an engineer can just find their own bugs as they go. In some cases, obviously, oh, there's sure. still yeah. a lot of bugs that sneak by and keep our testers entertained. But <laughs> So you didn't switch to engineering because all testers would be out of work soon because of Swift. I think there's still a lot for our testers to do. If nothing else, um, as Christina said a few episodes ago, our apps are used by humans, so we need humans to look at them and use them to make sure that they are really enjoyable to use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are, yeah, all those classes of bugs that Swift won't catch or won't catch yet. Mm -hmm. But I do love that when I find a bug, then I think to myself, you know, if we had been writing in Swift all along, before it was even invented, this crash would never have happened. <laughs> So do you miss testing is the third component of this question? I think that I get just about all the testing time that I want in doing my own work, mm -hmm. my own engineering work. I, When I first pick up a bug that's assigned to me, I'm likely to do a little bit of testing to make sure I understand the problem, that what I see in the app matches what the tester reported. Okay. And then... Once I've got what I think is a fix for the bug, I'll do a little bit of testing, hands-on testing myself to make sure that I fixed what I thought I fixed and mm -hmm. I didn't break something else obvious. And I try to take the time to write unit tests, probably not quite as many as I should. <laughs> yeah, that's always true. There's, it's never enough. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, what Christina said, though. I, th I think it was Christina who said that we're all in QA, right? That's everybody's job, right? We may have testers, but engineers, everybody's in QA, so. Yeah, everybody affects the quality from the support, test, engineering. Even, I think, indirectly, our kitchen affects the quality by helping the rest of us <laughs> stay well-fed and yeah, energized right. to get the work done. Well, we don't start figuring out around 1130 where we're all going to go for lunch. We all know where we're going for <laughs> lunch. So, yeah, yeah. that helps. Yeah. Bacon and pancakes today. So, yeah. yeah, bacon day. Phew, pancakes. Of course, we probably would have written an internal tool for figuring out lunch. Probably. We yeah. definitely seem to write a fair number of our own tools. Yeah. And you would have been the PM of that tool at one point in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I was the product manager for our internal bug tracker, and I care more about bacon than I do about bugs some days. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I could definitely see that happening. <laughs> Omni Launch Zapper. Omni, I don't know. I'll have to come up with a name for it. We'll never, we're never going to write it. We don't need it. <laughs> We have another user question uh, from Fritz Klug. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. On micro.blog. He would love to hear how folks who work at Omni use your applications to get work done. 
And I'm thinking you probably don't necessarily use OmniPlan, say, to plan out your work. That's kind of a mismatch. But do you use Graffle to write Graffle? I do use Graffle to work together with the rest of the Graffle team Yeah, to write Graffle. Um, the code that powers OmniGraffle has some interesting geometry problems. And I might sketch them out on my whiteboard first or in my notebook. But by the time I'm talking to my teammates about how to rework some of our math, um, like the recent feature we added for canvas sizes being like you could the graphics on the canvas could determine how big the canvas is. Mm -hmm. We reworked how that worked so it was more powerful and you can have a flexible canvas or a fixed canvas or an Mm -hmm. infinite canvas. And the geometry details of that was a significant re-architecting and we wanted to make sure we got it right. So I put together a graphical diagram of how the canvas should behave with different combinations of canvas settings and graphics and shared that with the team to make sure we all understood the change we were making. Hmm. Ah, that's cool. It got a little bit confusing in meta because to look at that <laughs> document in OmniGraffle because there's right. the canvas that the Graffle file has because it's a Graffle file right. and then there's the canvas that I'm trying to refer to the conceptual canvas that we're going to modify the behavior of. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that getting confusing, but uh, I'm sure it was useful. That sounds awesome. Did you grow up with a computer at home? I did. I don't think I realized until recently just what a privilege it was and how much it set me up for getting to where I am now, but I do not remember living in a house without... Not just a computer, but an Apple computer. Darn right. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Did you have favorite games or apps or anything? The first app I remember using was Delta Draw, which... I don't think I used. Seems like I've kind of come back full circle. It was... A lot of people are probably more familiar with Logo. It's a similar app. Um, I guess we didn't call them apps back then. Oh, yes. Program. Programs. Um, Software applications. But writing something like basic or a simple scripting language to draw lines and Hmm, curves on the screen. Move to this point, line to another point. Yeah, Exactly. Classic stuff. Yeah, Uh, That's fun. Later on, you went to, notes tell me, Harvey Mudd. Indeed. For an engineering degree. Yeah, I set up to major in engineering, but... The first engineering class that you're supposed to take at Harvey Mudd, um, at least when I was there, is all about group projects. No. And that was my feeling exactly. And so (laughs) I never took that class, which obviously meant I couldn't be an engineering major. Right. So I switched my... No introverts need apply. I switched my major to computer science so that I could avoid taking that class, which (laughs) turns out totally ironic because... As programmers, we still have to work in group projects generally. Unless you're truly an indie developer, you're probably working in a group. And when I was a product manager, I looked back at me who 
hid from group projects and was like, well, <laughs> that's my whole day today is yeah. wrangling the group project. E- even the single person indie developers I know, they're on like Slack, used to be IRC, whatever, all day, asking questions, getting help, helping their friends. I mean, programmers do work together, even though we all thought growing up that we wouldn't have to work with other people. It would just be me and a computer. Uh, that's all right, though. So you got your CS degree from Harvey Mudd, then went to work. Yeah. Your first job, not at Omni. No. I, my f- I went to work for a company that made Windows software that talked to a Microsoft SQL server. And my first day on the job, they asked me, so we hired you to be a developer, but we also need testers. And I was fresh out of college, and I knew everything. Everything. I knew everything there was about <laughs> being a programmer. Mm-hmm. So I said, huh, I'll try testing. Mm-hmm. Sounds interesting. I can always come back to being a programmer later. Sure, your fallback position. Yeah. yeah right. And I didn't really think it would take me 10 years, <laughs> no, well. 12 years to do so, but... It worked. Yeah, and I'm really glad I was arrogant and flipped that coin in that <laughs> moment because two years later when I was looking to move to Seattle, there was this Craigslist posting for a Mac software company that provided lunch and lunch had a cat who lived in the office. and You knew. It sounded perfect, and... I came up here and interviewed, and these people were quirky like me. It was great. <laughs> cool. And that, of course, was Omni. Mm-hmm. And you were the first tester? Yeah. Well, they had a tester before me, but when okay. I was hired, I was the only tester. All right. In those days, I'm imagining the product lineup was, this was 2005. Five. So we're talking about Graffle and Outliner. OmniWeb. Omni yep. Right. It turns out people actually used to pay money. For a web browser. That's insane. And we shipped it in a box. Wow, yeah. I remember seeing the boxes at the stores and maybe even Best Buy or something like that. Crazy days. So you do an app camp again this year? You yeah. organized the last three years? I've been involved with App Camp for Girls since the first year when it was sort of a beta test in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Christina and I organized App Camp Seattle for the past four years. Four years. Wow. Yeah. Time I'm flies. suddenly fumbling with math, but that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We've grown quite a team of volunteers who jump in and help middle schoolers get comfortable with all the different aspects of iOS development. So... Aside from knowing that you're helping girls out, which is a great thing, what what do you get from it? I think that my experience volunteering with App Camp, um, part of it is purely selfish. I really enjoy the opportunity to be in a room where we're talking about code, we're doing our nerdy Mac and iOS developer thing, and it's not me and a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it's really healthy to have 
opportunities to connect with other women and it's also been a great opportunity for me to practice skills that maybe I don't feel quite ready to put on a resume or even use every day at work. Mm-hmm. I have handled a lot of logistics for camp in the past, so organizing the orientation event for our volunteers, making sure that they know all the logistics they need to know in order to lead camp and buying snacks at Costco and oh, sure. hauling hula hoops around, all those funny little <laughs> details that you don't even think of. I wouldn't have thought of the hula hoops, but that yep. sounds key. Right? People need a little break. Definitely need yeah. a little break. We're, we're exploring alternate ideas, maybe jump ropes next year. Mm, good one. Um, but I also got the opportunity to work on the curriculum for camp. Cool. Uh, preparing the, the code that our campers use and then also taking the apps that our campers build during the week and compiling those into an app that we post on the app store. So every camper who comes through our program can tell people that their app is on the app store. What a what a great thing that is. Like I'm just trying to imagine. You know, being so young, doing some work for a week and then like, look, in the world my thing exists. It's Anyone pretty magic. It? Yeah. yeah. So how, how how did that feel, especially the first time? And you would, you would put together this app working with Gray? Yeah. And press the button, and it's going up to the app store, and it's like your thing that you've done with some other people. Yeah, there's ways in which I felt like I helped ship a bunch of Omni's apps in one way or another, but I think that first app camp app, going to the app store I felt a lot more ownership of and Mm -hmm. I think I actually got to push the button on that one and say okay it's on the app store oh that that's a memorable moment right there yeah cool so you got to meet uh other women in tech particularly local tech and um um when we were talking earlier you mentioned Laura Savino yeah people who helped out and she also had done a talk that influenced you quite a bit. Right. At this point, I don't remember where I met Laura first, but she and I got to know each other through AppCamp, through Xcoders, through CocoConf. We've crossed paths a lot now. Yeah, sure. And she was practicing a talk for some conference, and the point of her talk was to help to take her experience as a teacher and help other developers give technical talks that were more effective at teaching people things. Mm. And I was really struck by that. And I've actually taken that and written and given my own talk that was really inspired by her ideas about teaching people your idea instead of just Some people's conference talks are just walls and walls of text on the slide and or they just And the monotone Mm. talking. Yes. And I don't learn a lot from that. And I'm not sure how many other people learn from that either. So I wanted to try something different. 
and the combination of her ideas about really taking classroom-type teaching and bringing it to conferences. And I was also at that point paying attention to what Apple was doing with Playgrounds, Mm -hmm. Uh partly because they seem like a great tool for App Camp or other people just first learning to code. But I feel like they have a lot of potential for even experienced developers who are just trying to learn a new framework or figure out a new language like Swift. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I put together a talk that was based around a playground and basically walk people through a playground to teach a concept so that they could actively engage with the math involved and the APIs involved and learn by doing instead of just listening or reading or falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Falling so, asleep, that's what I do. Yeah, if yeah. someone could actually implement learning by falling asleep, oh, I'd be all, we'd I'd, be geniuses. <laughs> so the concept, uh, I, I should tell the reader that I was lucky enough to uh, attend a beta of this talk, which I enjoyed tremendously. The concept you're trying to teach is affine transforms, which is frightening and mathy and and difficult. And yet, when I went through it, I actually had like I'm kind of math phobic, but I had some idea of what's going on here, and it was really really cool. Well, thank and you. I enjoyed that. Um, the best part of it, funniest part of it, uh, was that uh, there actually is like a, a view component. So you are positioning ducks on a screen. You are literally getting your ducks in a row, which. It's just brilliant. I'm really glad you got that joke. <laughs> so great. Um, are, will you be giving that talk some more at future, like Swift by Northwest? Or I I don't have any conferences scheduled right now. Oh, okay. I would be, you would be happy to, to give that talk. Or mm-hmm. I I don't think that affine transforms are the only topic that could be taught that way. I'm sure. I don't know what my next topic would be, but mm-hmm. I'd like to have one. Yeah. Okay. As soon as I run across some more frightening math, I'll just let you know. It's not frightening math. It's fun math. Maybe <laughs> that's know, why I I'm know. on OmniGraffle. Yeah, and that's why I'm on Outliner and now Focus. Yeah. How do you feel about date math? Uh, there's APIs for it. Date math is not that hard. Yeah. No, I'm lying. I'm terrified of it. It's, it's awful stuff. <laughs> so when you're not uh, engineering... When you're not organizing and doing stuff with App Camp, you're a knitter. I do knit. Um, I everything that I do with code at work, and even a lot of what I do for App Camp is very digital and intangible. And it's great to get my hands on something and just have create something that is physical and touchable and mm-hmm. um, knitting is actually really great at being undoable like the undo hmm. button in knitting works oh you can you just how take does that work? The, you just <laughs> take the needles out of your work okay. and you start pulling on the just pull the thread or yeah you just is. pull the yarn and the and yarn. it unravels and now you've got your yarn again and you can reuse it to make something else oh wow, that's cool Huh. 
uh, you're not the first person that I've talked to who um, has actual physical world interests. Um, I think Kurt was into woodworking. Yeah, that's a little uh, harder to undo if you make mistakes. Yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, still, it's that, that tactile thing of actually, like, doing something real in the world seems to be important. I think App Camp fits that theme, too. Yeah, and, you know, actual real people in the world are important. How can people find you on the web? Uh, my Twitter handle is emarley, because Liz starts with an E. Of course it does. Well, thank you very much, Liz. I would also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music! Music!